Hi there. My name is Preston Puto. Welcome to the Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. This is where we share some of our messages from Sunday mornings. So we're glad you're here to listen. We'd love for you to join us in person. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. At our core, we're a community of people. So we gather on Sundays, but we also do a lot in the week together. We are people learning to follow Jesus and love our city. So to learn more, visit lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope to check in and visit with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Hearing about a lot of racism in Chestermere. And I know personally stories I won't share of racism in this city. And I think there's nothing that's, there's very few things that are more anti-Christ to me than racism. Than taking somebody made in God's image and because of the color of their skin or their background, putting them in a different category than you are. And so I get this call and this lady's talking to me and she said, I've been calling around trying to figure out who to talk to in Chestermere about racism and try to figure out some solutions. And they said, you should, I should call you. And I said, oh, good grief, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm to solve one of the biggest problems that's around uh, over a phone call. And I first said to her, I said, I don't think that there's an easy solution to racism. And she goes, please, like, throw me a bone. There's got to be something. And I said, I think that there's only one pathway. And I think people have to move from being residents to citizens and neighbors. And I think a lot of people in Chestermere are residents. They move into a neighborhood and they look at the brochure and they pick, and they pick uh, house number A and they move in and they sit there waiting to have the small town experience. And along the way, they are, they are not ple- pleased with the people around them, right? The person who's driving too slow on that, on that terrible road out there, right? They aren't pleased with the city council for not giving them what they're looking for. They aren't, they aren't pleased with this or that because they're just merely residents in the place. They're just occupying a space. They are here in this season hoping for the good life, but they don't know how to get it, and so they just go to the store and hope to collect some more things. <laughs> they hope to keep people at a distance because people are going to interfere with their finely tuned, crafted life that they're making for themselves, and they have some really nice homes, but they haven't, or some nice houses, but they haven't created a home, and they aren't at home either. And I said, racism will continue as long as this place is a place of residence alone. So we need to become citizens, and citizens are different, and citizens who are truly citizens become neighbors. And she said, where did you read that? And I said, I'm standing outside of a bathroom in a public building. I just thought of it right at the moment, because I think it's the only way, right? This is our journey. And so as I was thinking about this, and this happened last spring, is I started to realize that I think God was maybe taking me on a journey and maybe taking Lake Ridge on a journey through what I think are some of the most profound pieces of scripture and ideas that I think can permeate who we are as God's people in this place. So this sermon series, from now until Christmas, is the sermon series Preston would preach if he got to preach a sermon series, right? This is like, this is like, this is like Preston's heart stuff going on, on, on here. So that is what I'm going to be preaching for the fall, and we have a couple guest preachers. Eric's going to be preaching a bit too, and we are going to walk through this together. And I hope that by the end of it, we will not see ourselves as merely residents of this place, but citizens not only of Chestermere, but citizens of the kingdom of God, because we have a God who loves us and shows us how to live in this life. 
So my guiding question is this, how do we live this one and beautiful life we have been given? I do not want to get very old before I realize how to live this one and beautiful life I've been given. And I think Jesus shows us the way by reordering who is in charge, what is up, what is down, so that we can live this life well and fully. Joy should be part of the result of following Jesus. If you're experiencing joy, you're probably getting closer to the kingdom of God. So we're on our way. Jesus invited his disciples to move from being a resident of their faith and of their surrounding Roman and religious world to becoming citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus, he preached that the kingdom of God, it is near. Near means not far. Near means it's close. Something about the kingdom of God is close. And that means you could maybe touch it, participate in it. And we can say the kingdom of God is near because the very first phrases of the Jesus people was Jesus is Lord. That was the first kind of words coming out of the church as they proclaimed Jesus is Lord. He is the king. He is the one who, is the, who shows which way is the right way up. Even the most frightening parts of our world are being renewed. Our citizenship looks a lot like being a neighbor, and so we discover that as we become citizens of the kingdom of God, I should calm down because i got a long ways to go. I, the, the, as we become citizens of the kingdom of God, we become neighbors to those around us. It changes how we see those around us. The Verwoods had their very first ever block party. And it was really fun to talk with them about their block party because they were like, that was really good. The Knops who aren't here today, they had their first one. And he said, that was really good. They're learning how to live as citizens and even neighbors in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about enjoying friendship with Jesus and our community. And so Jesus told stories to help people understand how this kingdom of God works out against the backdrop of consumerism, of isolation, of anger and anxiety and fear, all things that I have as, as headwinds in my life. And Jesus is saying, Preston, I want you to be free of that. Jesus talked about having faith like a mustard seed. Our faith grows and so does our relationship with God. So our logo here has a few interesting things on it. Our theme for the fall. That, at the very bottom, you can see three little dots. Those are mustard seeds at the bottom. And then those plants are actually mustard plants coming out. We're going to be talking this morning about what it is to have faith as a mustard seed. When we talk about joining the kingdom of God, we aren't talking about joining in with an empire here. We're talking with the king who has a way of going about making the world ordered right again. And he talks about mustard seed-sized faith. He talks about being a light on a hill. There's a candle up top there. We are to be a light. Uh, we, aren't to put a, we aren't to put something over it to block it, but we are to shine that light out. And even more so, I think, not only are we a light on a hill, but we are to follow the light that is Christ. And so we're going to be talking about what it is to put Jesus at the very center of what we do. I've said it before, but if you put a candle on your kitchen table, you'll stay there 25% longer, right? If we put a candle of Christ at the center of who we are, guess what happens? We come closer to Christ together. And as you get closer, you begin to see yourself the way you're supposed to be seen, and you see the other person who is coming close to Christ the way they're supposed to be seen. All these differences in this room, you know we have people who vote NDP in this room? I don't know if you knew that. We have people who vote green in this room. Can you believe that? I still have to do some pastoral visits with those people. We have people who vote UCP. Oh, merciful day, right? We have people from every walk of life here. Name, if the things that divided us were named in this room, we would all go our separate ways immediately after the service, and this church would be quite finished. 
But I tell you, the one thing that holds us together is Christ at the very center. And we are learning what it is to step closer to Christ and be illuminated to see ourselves and others well. So we are truly on a journey from residents to citizens and neighbors. Church is a gathering around Christ who illuminates us. I think this is exciting. So our hope is that through this theme and through the various experiences, we're going to have art, we're going to have music, we're going to have a lot of different things. We're going to have like one Sunday where this room is going to be totally different. We're going to have all these hands-on stations. It's going to be quite a fall for us. But this is like Preston just kind of going like, can I, can I show you a way? Can I show you a way that I think we can live that I think is going to be very, very beautiful for us? From residents. A third of our series is going to explore how our faith and our culture has helped us or made us to become consumers of experiences, gatherers of diversions, and how this has limited our ability to see beauty, goodness, and hope. Can I tell you how many sunsets I've sat through looking through a screen and not out my window? <laughs> and that's just a part of it. How many times I have not seen you or others or myself because I have just become a resident of this place. In the scripture, we're going to learn that there are people who are under Roman rule, and they were co-opted by power, empire, and big ideas that turned out to be wee little small ideas. Sometimes we're sold a bill of goods that life is supposed to be lived in this way, and really, Jesus is showing us that life can be lived in this way. So we're going to reflect on scripture that challenges our couched, plastic, and locked door faith and invites us to consider another way of living. So we're going to challenge a little bit of what we believe to be true about what we do with our stuff and our time over the next few Sundays. So those are going to be hard ones because we're going to walk away kind of going, oh, Preston named some stuff that's true about us as just mere residents. But there's good news. We're going to talk about what it is to be citizens. Jesus said over and over, the kingdom of God is like. Jesus was often telling stories like this. He was comparing the kingdom of God to, to weird things like mustard seeds, which we're going to talk about a bit today. He wanted to invite people into his kingdom. He didn't want to subdue them. He's not ruling over them to squash them, but he wants to take them into this one and beautiful life so that they would come alive. He wanted people to be alive in their identity as children of God, heirs for the kingdom, participants of this kingdom, and his friends. So we want to go there too, and we want to explore what it is be citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus is inviting us, and I think it changes everything. Jesus is now our king, and that matters a lot. The last one is neighbors. I've written books on this, so you can imagine that I'm kind of biting at the bit to talk about this part. But we're actually going to be telling a lot of your stories in this time. How we function as a church must be in, done in light of Christ's invitation to love God and love our neighbors. It's not that we've tried loving our neighbors and that didn't do anything for us. Just that we haven't really given it a solid try, right? So what does it mean for us to truly love our neighbors? We serve a neighboring God. Someone who moved into the neighborhood, it says at the beginning of John. And invites us to do the same. So our work is of a different kind. However, we move with the faith of a mustard seed that can also move mountains. We gather around a table as we uh, walk with this light of the world. It's a, it's a paradox. And there's a lot going on to love God and love neighbor. Loving our neighbor doesn't seem too revolutionary. It's slow and it's small and it takes incremental time. Even Rick and I today were saying it takes a decade to build trust. Well, guess what? Some of you have been here a decade. I've been here almost a decade. Well, I think we've built a little bit of trust. 
This is exciting news, and I think we're, we're on to, to something here. So I think this is exactly how we move forward, slowly and small. And, it might, and if that seems like that's not going to change the world, well, that's how Jesus has changed the world. And that's how a queen in England says, I want to lay down my crown before the one who moved slow and intentionally. And so we're going to be d- diving in. We have a book study group that's going to be uh, reading a book called Slow Church. Have you heard of the slow food movement? It's like you, it's like you grow food. That takes forever. You put it in the crock pot. That takes forever. You sit around a table with people who you love with a candle. That takes forever. That's the pace of church. <laughs> it takes forever. And, it's, and it could be the most beautiful thing that this world has ever experienced. So altogether, this will establish, I think, a renewed sense of direction for us. A renewed sense of getting to the heart of a, both a spiritual journey and what it is to be the people of Jesus here in Chestermere. I hope it will challenge. I hope it will inspire. And I hope it will be intellectually stimulating. I hope it will be personally moving. And by setting our focus on Jesus, we will be able to ask some probing questions of ourselves in the headwinds of the culture that is around us. So are you willing to go on this journey? Because I think that it's, that's going to be pretty pretty meaningful for us. So I wanted to, to, to lay it out. Okay, Ed is going to be here next Sunday. So we'll just set up a chair for me and me and Ed because everybody else is going to have a rough, rough go the next couple Sundays. Yeah, it's true. So Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. It was read this morning by Taylor, and I think it sets the tone. It says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water, that sets out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I think as we move from being residents to citizens and neighbors, we are going to move to be those people that are like a tree planted beside a stream. So if we wonder how do we live this one and beautiful life, I think we set up by the stream of God's work in our lives. But to set up beside God, right? He is the one who gives us life so that when things go sour, which they will, I'm sorry to say, that you will be green, you will bear fruit, and that we will be a fruitful community in this community, no matter what happens. And we'll be able to speak to some of the most anti-Christ things, like racism. Uh, We'll be able to care for the poor. We'll be able to do a lot of things, I think, if we are those people. So this morning is all about planting gardens in in inhospitable places. Um, we have a bunch of art here, and uh, afterwards, Kyle's going to sing a song about planting gardens. Uh, but this is, I think, a little bit about what Jesus was up to when he was trying to help people understand what the kingdom of God is like. About planting gardens in inhospitable spaces. We're starting with the hope that if we plant beside God, with God, for God, and through God, we become like those who trust in the Lord. Become like those whose roots are by a good stream. We are rooting down here in God. Residents, they don't need to plant a, they don't need to plant their garden like a life. They can just you can have a plastic life, right? <laughs> There's somebody in my neighborhood, it kind of hurts my soul when I walk by my neighbor's house, but they have a bunch of plastic plants there and they're green all winter long. But guess what? They have always been two feet high. They have never grown past that. Now, our trees have come and gone. They've lost leaves. They've grown leaves. They've shed apples and whatever. But they're tall now. They are alive. So once I envied their green backyard with many plastic bushes, but nothing has grown there over time. For some of us as residents, plastic Christianity will do. Jesus, who we hold in a little box, will do. But Jesus does not remain 
plastic. Jesus does not live in a box. Jesus is alive and he is doing something here. So I wanted to share some stories that I think are like, what are the kingdom of God like? They are like these stories, gardens in certain places. And so I shared just a few of the images that are back there. I wanted to talk about these. I think these are kingdom of God stories. The kingdom of God is like this. Let's take a look at the first one here. The kingdom of God is like this. In Ethiopia, Ethiopia once had 45% of their land covered in trees. In the 1970s, things got really bad and they chopped down all but 5% of their trees. And the only places that had trees left were around churches. They're called church forests. Why? People were scared to take God's trees. I think that that's quite telling, isn't it? They were afraid to go and take God's trees. And so they left around, if you flew over Ethiopia, you would see these little pockets around churches. Well, what happened, once people realized that not having trees is probably a bad thing, then they started to say, how do we repopulate trees? And they looked at the church and these little hubs. And guess what was living in these trees? There was gazelles, there was cool little rodents, there was snakes and lizards. All the animals found their way to these little, to these little islands of life. And so when it, when it turned a corner and they decided that they're going to start planting trees and letting things grow again, they had everything that they needed preserved around these churches. There's something, I think that that can preach, right? I think that that can really preach. What is it like for a small group of people to preserve what is truly beautiful, truly good, and truly alive? I think Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is like those Ethiopian churches that you hear about. People go, oh, really? Okay. What is the next one here? I have a few more. In Detroit, I don't know if you knew, but Detroit wasn't doing so well as a, as a city. I think half the population left. Streets were becoming riddled with crime. Uh, and I visited, not in Detroit, but in some other American cities that are on the decline, some of these places. Well, what some of these groups are doing is they're taking whole streets and they're bulldozing the decrepit homes that were turned into like drug homes and that sort of thing, and they turned them into gardens. There's one I saw had a combine to going up and down in this one neighborhood, which is, I think, hilarious that, that that's happening. But I think it's a beautiful picture. The kingdom of God is like people who took a decrepit city and planted a garden. This is, a, I'm going to say it wrong, Inuk. This is 15-hour drive north of Whitehorse. So that's a bit of a drive, isn't it? It is way up there, just like, like northern, northern, north. And these people didn't have fresh food. So they took an old rink and they turned it into a greenhouse that can grow food for their 3,000 people in their community. I think the kingdom of God is like some people who live on the tundra who decided that they would plant a garden to feed their friends and neighbors. This is a picture that was going around that kind of inspired uh, a lot of our, these conversations. Uh, this is from Ukraine. Of course, Russia has been invading Ukraine, and uh, this is a tank that blew apart, and it happened on a person's, in a person's garden. So they decided that they would turn the tank into a compost bin, and around it they would plant cabbages and flowers, and somebody from Reuters took a picture of it as they are gardening in the midst of war. The kingdom of God is like gardening when there's a war going on. This is a picture, it might seem odd to you, but this is a painter that I really like. His name's Joel Briggs. There's Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he was mistaken for a gardener. The only reason why I think he's mistaken for a gardener is because he was probably gardening, right? That's what you do when you are gardening. You are 
I bet he rose from the tomb and looked around and said, what has happened to this place? I'm gone for three days and the place is all gone, you know? He's weeding, he's touching things, and that's why, that's why Mary's probably like, oh, sir, like, I don't, I don't mean to bother you, but I'm wondering what you've done with Jesus or if you've seen him anywhere. Oh, head on back one second there. And so this is a painting. There's not many paintings of Jesus portrayed as a gardener. So I like this, this one. And here's Jesus. He has the holes in him. He's risen from the dead. And what is he doing? In a barren wasteland, he's bringing peace. He's planting something. When the world is in a lot of pain, Jesus rises from the dead in this world. And he is caring for it. And so we come to this. Jesus, I think, has one of his own. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. This is a woman who's sifting out some mustard seeds. Mustard seeds are very small. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 31. It says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. It goes on to say, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these to speak to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke uh, to them without using such par parables. The fulfillment, uh, this fulfilled what God had spoken through his prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain hidden, or I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus was explaining deep mysteries with these strange little stories. And so that is why even the smartest people among us do not dismiss these stories. They're explaining something about how to live this one and beautiful life. And he was talking to ordinary people like you and me with these stories. Now if God would come to us and say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, then we should pause on that for a second and say, what to what to what, right? What is going on here? What is Jesus explaining here? What great hidden thing of God is best told by this parable and metaphor. Our sermon series, like I said, has a little mustard seed at the bottom and this mustard plant coming up here. Let's just state the obvious things. The mustard seed is small, right? It's supposed to be one of the smallest ones, although I've seen carrot seeds that are pretty small. Um, we tried planting seeds in our garden and we're, we're, we're like half successful with them. So something about this is small and it's maybe a little bit fragile, but inside of this little seed is all the information is needed to do something special, to grow something. Maybe there's some mystery in there. The other thing is that the seed grows. Is it alive? Is it dead? I don't know what a seed is, but if you plant it and put it in the right conditions, it does turn into a plant. Maybe, we've, maybe we need to have a re-enchanted imagination for small things that turn into something that's living and beautiful and great. It's a valuable herb um, that, ha that can taste really good, especially if you rub it all over pork and put it into, uh, and put it on the barbecue. Unless you're Jewish, then don't eat pork, okay? But you can rub it on things. It's also a weed. It spreads. Sometimes I wonder if the kingdom of God or maybe the church is meant to be a bit of a weed. It spreads. It finds its place into rocky soil and, and uh, grows where other things don't. What was Jesus getting at? When he's saying the kingdom of God, this way of a life turned right before God, is like a mustard seed. If you join in with faith and participate in it, that is what, that's what it's all about, right? 
So I think the sermon series, it's asking a big question. What do I do with this one and beautiful life? How do I take something small, maybe it's my life, maybe it's my thoughts, maybe it's who I am, and how do I put it before God who does something with it and makes it more than it is? It's a mystery. I want to hang it here. Because I think when Jesus was saying this, some people in the group were nodding, and other people were going, who is this guy? Where did they bring him in from? I thought everything's supposed to be big and strong and bold, and he's saying joining in with what God's doing in the world is small like a mustard seed. It's something that grows. I think Jesus is inviting us to be gardeners of a life which, like his, begins in humble places and grows like his. If we want to live a beautiful human life before God, I think we, we, we could do a lot worse than following the model of Jesus, but the model of Jesus might be different than the one you have planned for yourself. I was talking to somebody recently, and they said, I don't know if I can trust God with my life. I said, welcome to the club. <laughs> I want charge of my life, and here's God saying, I can do better. And we go, ah, that's oil and water in my imagination. Can we trust? You see, we are nurturing a life in Jesus. This is the one thing you can't buy. The one thing you need the most is a life come alive in Christ, the one who made you, and you cannot buy it. You can only nurture it. It takes time. We can't skip past the growth phase. We can't jump to the next thing. We can only live it with Jesus, and Jesus says, this is the way I made you, and this is the way it's going to grow. Will you trust me and grow with me? To tend to your life. To tend with Jesus to our place. To tend to each other. We are not residents who watch a gardener spraying our lawn like we hire somebody to come around like green spot and make something of our life good. We join with God in nurturing this life because he is here with us saying, come and get some dirt under your nails. Come and breathe the outside air with me because we're going to grow something together here. So we aren't watching out of a window as followers of Jesus. We are invited to come and grow ourselves from residents to citizens and neighbors. So what does a mustard seed mean for you today? What does mustard seed faith mean for you? Can we grow at that pace? Can we trust that God does something small and beautiful? But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we hold up this mystery of this one and beautiful life we've been given. We hold it up to you and say, can we trust you with it? Can we live a life that isn't plastic faith, but one that comes alive, that's growing, and that bears fruit, and it's beautiful? Can we? We come with our questions. How can we have faith like a mustard seed? What does that even mean? Jesus, may you meet us in this. May you show us the way that you have laid out for us, that, we were, that you designed us to live in flourishing lives with you here and in our place. Come, Holy Spirit, plant a garden. Draw us close to the vine that we might be alive in Jesus. Amen.